You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. What does the church do? What's the point of this? Is it just come on Sunday 9 to 11, make sure we've got a ticket to heaven in our pocket, and then kind of wait till we pass on and then life gets good? Is, is that literally, because sometimes that's what churches can do, can show that that's the, that's the message. Uh, we believe, I know most of us believe more than that, if not all of us believe there is something more to do than that. The church has a purpose. In fact, you know, there's two words they use in the Bible for the gathering. Um, they use this word fellowship. Who's heard the word fellowship before? I've always pictured fellowship as morning tea. <laughs> For some reason, I've just pictured fellowship as morning tea and a little bit of bun and people sitting around drinking tea and that's fellowship. That's, for some reason, that's the mental image that comes to my mind. It's actually more powerful than that. There's actually a difference between fellowship, the definition of fellowship. Well, let me give you the definition of community first. Community is people that gather together around something, a common interest. Fellowship, which the Bible uses deliberately, is those that gather around a purpose. So they're actually building something. Uh, yes, we gather around Jesus Christ, but we also gather in his purpose. So that's actually, if you look that up, there's a definition of fellowship. It's not just cups of tea and nice pink bun, although that's great. It's actually gathering in a purpose together. We're building something here. We're building something eternal here as a body of Christ, And so that's what we've been talking about the last five weeks. What are we doing? What are we building? A couple of things with a series like this that I want to acknowledge before we talk about the last topic. When you spend a lot of time talking about doing stuff, most pastors will tell you or know that your congregation gets tired. In fact, you start to see before the end of a series on doing, they start to get a bit scratchy. Why are you telling us to do, do, do? Because there's this fine line, and Paul in his letters mixes between the two. There's doing things out of the response of Christ's love. And then the flip side is being with Christ is most important. And so we're going to flip back into a series through Hebrews um, amongst the AGM as well. Uh, And we're going to just talk about being with God, as that's number one. But every now and then we do need to talk about our purpose as well. And Paul, you'll notice as Paul's letters go from do, 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 Quick, better talk about being and grace and the gospel and then, but yeah, don't be too free. <laughs> don't be too, just don't do whatever you want. Don't forget what Jesus did, let's do. So that's what we're at the end of. So if you find yourself feeling a bit tired, exhausted, if you've ventured through this whole series with us, we're going to flip back, we're going to change gears again and uh, over the next few weeks we'll start talking about being with Christ as well. But, and also this morning is one of my favourite, every pastor's favourite topic we're going to talk about giving. And um, I joke, it's the vein of most pastors' existence. Um, let me explain. Normally what a pastor will do is get a guest in to talk about giving. Um, they normally get someone else, some sucker, to come in and talk about giving so they don't have to. Or usually we'd give it to John Edwards or James, uh, one of the elders, or Jono, to talk about giving so I don't have to. Because it's an awkward topic, right? Giving is awkward to talk about because it's tied up with money, It's tied up with generosity. The world will tell you on a current affair at least that that's all we talk about. And so it's hard to talk about it. But I felt it really important at the end of this series to talk about what it means to give, even despite the awkwardness. And um, because Jesus actually talks about it a lot. 
In fact, some theologians will say it's the number one topic he talks about, and it's not because he loves money. It's because he knew money, time, energy is tied up on who we are. What we do with those things actually holds a mirror to us. And so that's why it's important this morning to speak about giving. I want to apologise, though, if you're visiting and you're brand new today, that means 100% of the time you've been at Burley Church of Christ. We've non-stop talked about giving. I acknowledge that. It's not normal, but it's important. Hopefully you can see some transparency today, especially who's um, somewhat related to me in some shape, way or form. We've got a fair few of my family here today. Normally we have a fair few of my family, but we also have a lot of greys or from the grey line today. We had a big family union. So some of them have heard me. This is the first time they're hearing me preach and all I talk about is giving. So I apologise again for that, but it's really nice to have you all here from... Um, if anyone's connected with Box Hill Church of Christ... Have a chat to them. The chances are there'll be some connections there as well. So we're going to have three different things we're going to talk about giving this morning. I think they're going to come up. I'll give you a, a content today. Um, we're going to talk about what am I giving to? And I'm going to acknowledge that this part's a bit dry, but in, trans, in the name of transparency, it's important. We're going to talk about what Jesus says about it, which is the most important thing. We're going to talk about what Jesus does about it. Or what does Jesus do about it? And then lastly, we're going to talk about how and what can I give. And I've kind of got this image of how can I set the table for what God wants to do. God will build his church, but how can we help set the table? He'll bring the meal. He'll provide the, he's already provided the sacrifice. He's already provided everything we need. But how do we set the table? Allow us. It's like kids. Come on, kids. Go set the table. We might have some guests here today. Great kids, set the table. We've got some things to do today. How do we do that? So let's talk about giving. Let's talk about where our giving goes. So let me start with this statement. I think it's the next slide. Oh, nope, go back. Nope, don't have that slide. That's okay. That's all right. I want to tell you this, and I'm going to spend most of the sermon explaining this. 100%, when you give your time, when you give your service, when you give your finance to Burley Heads Church of Christ, 100% of it goes to mission. I'll explain that in a moment, but 100% of it goes to mission. That's what we, at least what we aim to do as a leadership is see 100% of it go to mission. The mission being this. I think it's one back. Sorry, new computer today as well, so... There we go. So our mission statement here, you would have seen it written, you've heard it said, it's, we've got this vision of an ever-growing unifying family table, but our mission is following Jesus' transforming lives, which is a, a kind of a less religious way to say, Jesus has asked us to be disciples and make disciples. That's our mission. We're going to be one and we're going to try to make some. Didn't even say build a church. He said he'll do that. He said be disciples make disciples 100% or at least what we want to as leadership and as a church is 100% of our time and energy and finance to go towards helping people be disciples and helping people make disciples that's our mission statement that's what Jesus asked us to do following Jesus and seeing lives transformed our own and others that's the idea this is our mission our goal is to see 100% of what is given go to that end. 
is it's literally just what Jesus made it extremely clear in Matthew 28, that's what we're meant to do. We're sent. And so you might say, Steve, how do you do this? How do you measure this? Which is a good question. How can you measure that? We talked about a couple of weeks ago how abstract the word is disciple. How do you measure that? Well, as a leadership, we have these statements, and this is what this whole series has been about, and they're coming up too now. We gather, we grow, we go, and we give. If you're flicking through your Bible to see these statements, you won't see exactly we gather. But when you watch the disciples in the early church, when you watch what they do, these are the postures they take. And we want to make it simple. We want to make it easy to understand. When it's easy to remember, the disciples gathered, encouraged each other, gathered around Jesus. They grew in numbers and in their relationship with God and each other. And then they went. They were sent and they go out into the world as ambassadors. I love the line Josh spoke about. If you didn't, weren't here for Josh last week, go back and podcast it. It was a great message. Super uplifting morning. And um, he talked about walking as a representation of the unknown God. So people see you and go, what on earth have they got that I'm missing? And you get the chance to tell them. We go and then we give to these things. So let's just quickly go through. This is the dry part. Let's go through how this looks to give to this. So how do we give and gather? So I'm going to get super practical here. We gather what we, what we call large tables. This type of setting, we gather together in large and small tables around Jesus Christ. Uh, this whole place has been under development, if you've been here long enough, to know that around this picture, you'll notice more tables have been set up than ever before. More places to sit and gather than ever before. You'll notice because about 10 years ago we had a fire through here and some of the equipment was good but not working the best it could, we've had to update things. We've changed things around. We've painted things here. Not because we just wanted to do stuff but because we wanted to gather better on a Sunday and we wanted to gather in other moments together in the best we could. It's a tension, you know, the gathering thing. I have a friend that walked into a church, true story, not friend of a friend, an actual friend that walked into church. I have an actual, I have an actual friend and he actually walked into a church and he went into the bathroom and he saw a chandelier hanging in the bathroom. He never went back to church. Not yet. I'm trying to get him back to church, but he's never been back to church because he said, is that what church is? There's a tension there. We want to gather well. We want to do the worship well. We want it to be a level of comfort well. We don't want to be painful for you to gather together. But we also don't want to just be seen that all we do is make this place look perfect. Um, we want to be seen that we're in the community. And he was just shocked by this expensive chandelier in the toilet. He said to himself, I'm not for, I don't know what that is, that represents I'm not. And I'm not against, if you have a chandelier, if you want a chandelier in the toilet, that's okay. It's, not the, it's, it's what he took from that was all this church wants to do is build its box. And, so, and certainly we want to build here. I would say that um, if we're looking towards the future, which is what this series is about, we're averaging around a month, around 150. That's a conservative figure. We, if everyone turned up to Sunday, we barely, we're going to struggle to fit. I would imagine that we, and I was speaking to most of you guys, we love that size church. It means we can connect with each other. But we might end up planting another service in this church. Not out of style, but out of the need of numbers. So I could imagine we might have an 11 o'clock. Um, again, 
That's not what we're doing right now. But if we reach capacity, we might plant another large table, another community. It's funny when I see a church plant just down the road and here we are and they spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars on a new facility, leasing it out, new PA, new everything. Here we are with a building that for most of Sunday is empty and definitely all of Saturday. So as we gather, we're looking towards maybe more people gathering here in different spaces and different ways. This is how we give to the gathering, looking at developing, and we're going to continue to that. Even the fact you've got the card holders in the back recently, hold the cards, know where our welcome and prayer cards are, little things like that help us gather better. So that's how we're giving to the gathering. But the tension is there, so how do we give to grow? That slide's coming up. As a church, we want to grow naturally, we want to grow as people, but we also want to grow deeper in relationship to, with God and people and each other. Luke 2.52, which actually was quoted at our family gathering last night, with, uh, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favour of God and man. We want to grow in wisdom, stature, favour of God and each other and man. Some people will be offended by the gospel, but we still, Jesus, people were drawn to Jesus. It's okay if people are drawn to what they see God doing in you. We want to grow in that way. And so how do we give to this? How do we, well, Ephesians 4 tells us that the role of the leaders in this church, although not just the pastor, but anyone that leads, is to equip the saints to do good works. So we want to equip the church to do good works. Training equipping sometimes it means sermons that are practical like today and sometimes it means sermons that are about being with god but either way we want you to grow that's the purpose of the church make disciples to grow deeper with relationship with god and each other literally my job description is there in ephesians 4 it says you have the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's why when we, we've got two other people hired at the church, we don't hire people at this stage to do a task. Anne is a leader of leaders. She does a lot of admin, she does do a lot of tasks. But the reason we have Anne is because she's able to equip others to do good works. I don't want Josh going around trying to save the entire surfing community of Burley by himself. I want him equipping other people, building a team of young... And they all came. They all came last week to hear you speak. His team, his boys, growing them, equipping them to go and be representations of Jesus. That is the purpose of growing as a church. This is literally why I'm employed. As someone who takes up probably the majority or if not just over half of the budget, I get that. My job is to equip the saints to do good works. Too many ministers, I'll be honest with you, too many ministers, and I fall into this trap, we get tempted to think we have to have all the answers, be everywhere, and save you all from our sins, from your sins, and our own. If I literally do that, I start to think I'm Jesus, and I'll probably last another six months, because <laughs> it's big shoes to fill. <laughs> I won't be able to do any of it. I won't be able to be everywhere, know everything, and save you from your sins. That's Jesus' job. That's why, actually, do you know there's more pastors qualified ministers not working in church churches than in churches nowadays because too many of us accidentally fall into the trap of thinking we need to be your messiah because it's tempting right it's tempting to kind of think yeah but our job is to equip 
the saints to do good works. Uh, speaking to John Edwards this week, and he was saying that if, so say we have 150 people here, we, that's a conservative number. Say every single person in this church finds somebody, sees the hope of Jesus in them in the next two years. So in the next two years, at some point, someone comes to you and says, I want to know more about why you're so at peace. I want to know more about why you live each day with this incredible hope. I want to know why you're so generous. Tell me what's, not what's wrong about you. Tell me what's right about you. You share Jesus. You take them through Alpha or something like that and you have them here and they bring their life to Jesus. If all 150 did that once every two years, in 10 years, we'd have a small community of around 2,500 people. That's the power. We don't have to do that, but that's the power of growing. If me and Josh are out there handing out tracks, Stocklands, trying to save burly heads, it's way less effective than 150 of us living as Jesus in our community. Me and Josh would have a fair crack at it, <laughs> but it's way less effective. So my job, Josh's job, Anne's job, and those that will come on staff and those that are volunteer leaders here is to equip the saints to do good works. That is how we grow. That's what you give to when we grow. You've seen the tables in the op shop. There's a reason for that. We want spaces for people to gather. We want spaces for people to go. You've seen the library. We want spaces for people to have quiet reflection, to grow. We've got these photos up here of the work that's been done. That is why we're doing these things, not just because we like nice things, but we want places for people to grow. We've built a coffee cart because what unites people, <laughs> what gets people talking, caffeine, coffee. The okay drug of choice for Christians. <laughs> it's a little bit harsh, but it's yeah, really accurate. But yes, I would love 70% of our church to be in some sort of small group, small table, growing together. That's what we're aiming for. And lastly, we give and go. This is the, the dry bit coming to an end. But important, important for clarity, right? Where's the money going? Where's the service going? What are we doing here? This is what we're doing. We give and go. Here's what I believe, church. If we do the first two right, we need to do nothing else as a church. Technically. Hear me out. If we do the first two right, we have 150 people out there representing Jesus in the community. We don't have to run a single other program. Hear me out. I'm getting to the stuff we do run, but we don't actually have to. We're the church in the world. I've got some great examples of this. Bev. There's one, there's multiple examples, Bev. Bev lives at Sea Change. For those that, um, for those that know that Bev's story, uh, recent widow and, and has, has experienced that and is journeying through that with God, she has 20 other ladies. It's 20 that meet at Sea Change now with her, similar experience, and she's talking to them about the hope of Jesus while wrestling with this herself with God. Does she walk in and tell us and say, I'm doing, now I am Burley Heads Church of Christ representative and this is a program and we need to be seated at this time? No, but when she walks in the door, she's representing our church. She's a part of the body at Sea Change. Burley Heads Church of Christ sends missionaries to Sea Change, as it sounds. That's what it looks like. Or it looks like some of our families come in late Sunday morning because they've been over at their neighbour's house connecting with them on a Saturday night. Now, they don't walk into the neighbour's house and go, I just want to let you know we're representing Burley Heads Church of Christ here. 
here's how the agenda for today. But they are. That's, that's what we're empowering to do. That's what I want them to do. That's what quipping looks like. Sharing in hope. You become those people that keep inviting everyone to your house and never go to theirs. As we see the way Jesus lived, he's accused of being a drunkard. He's accused of being, um, what's the word for overeating? Sorry? Glutton. He's always eating. And he was always over people's houses that he shouldn't have been because he was connecting with them. That's, if we do gathering and growing well, and I had one more. Let me just have a look. I had one more example. Oh, yes. If you've ever been visited by the Englishers when you've been in hospital or unwell or at your home, now they don't walk in and they don't have T-shirts that... Which okay to have T-shirts, but they have T-shirts with that Burley logo, and they say, "Now we're just here representing as official pastoral care visit from the Burley Heads Church of Christ." But if you've ever been loved by the Englishers, which if we got people to raise hands, I reckon ninety percent of us would have had a visit, a gift, a card. They're representing us. They're missionaries from this church, being sent to do some pastoral care from us doesn't have to be an official program, but it's what looks like when a church is healthily gathering and growing. They go well. However, I've even written that down to remind myself how to say that, to say that word before us. However. James 1.26 says this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, widows in their distress, and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What this is saying, what James is saying is, religion is destructive, can be destructive. Tradition, for the sake of tradition, can be destructive. It has no purpose. It's like gossip there, saying it's just... If, you, if you're not really meaning this, if you're just talking about this, religion is destructive. And as, as people that live in 2019, we know that we're fighting a hard battle at the moment because religion or people in the name of religion have done some horrible things. Religion can be extremely dangerous when not given a purpose. So James says, hang on, don't throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Religion is good. Program is good. Tradition is good. If, if it's doing this. So tradition is good, not just for the sake of it, but if it's glorifying God, if it's looking after orphans and widows in their distress, and the poor, it says in Revelations, and actually multiply through the Bible, then it's actually a really good thing. So that's why, although we don't need to run anything else as a church, I am so encouraged that for some of us to go as missionaries... We just open the door and help out at the op shop. And we sell things at that op shop, if you don't know, for 50 cents sometimes. Or we give it away if they're in need. To the poor. We have vouchers. We have the glimmer of light, which is doing exactly that, reaching to the poor. We now have the kindy with a whole bucket that they're getting donations to give to us because they love the idea of helping out with the poor. They're speaking fondly about the church. I have a list there. Op shop, glimmer of light, obviously overseas, uh, overseas support and development, which Kirsten's heading up and we're still doing. We're supporting our missionaries overseas as well, but we're also supporting our missionaries that do hearts and crafts, that bring in people and play crafts and get to know them. 
Burley Playtime, which is, we can't, we don't own the name Playgroup. So it's called Burley Playtime, which essentially is Playgroup. Um, uh, but yeah, connecting with mums, that's starting up. Christian surfers meet here. There are about 20 to 30 of them meet for um, pizza and Bible study in one of the rooms. We have this gospel song service this afternoon. And we have pastoral care. We do run things when they meet these poor orphans. Orphans can be many things. Yes, kids without parents, but kids without spiritual parents as well. And so church, we do give to that section of our tradition, the programs that do these things. Do I want another page of these? If I'm honest with you, no. If we spend all our time in church, we'll never ever get out. Let's do these well. I know every single one of these things could use more volunteers. Uh, I'll give you a, a great story. Meryl Tree. She, she, have I seen her today? Yeah, I'm not, sorry, I won't pick on you for too long, Meryl. She's just started volunteering at the op shop. And kind of Meryl's job at the op shop, yes, there's clothes to be sorted at times, but literally I haven't seen her miss anyone. Um, and she doesn't have to do this, but she offers everyone a coffee. She knows, um, yes, there's sorting to be done. Yes, there's work. The op shop needs to run. But the number one reason we've got that is because we get to connect to 50 to 100 people every week. They walk into a church and they go like this. The roof didn't fall on me. God didn't strike me with lightning. Maybe there's something. Like, oh, and they were friendly and I got a coffee. And I got some 50 cents. So they weren't trying to take my money because all they talk about is money, right? New people, all we talk about is money. <laughs> It's effective, it's powerful. 50 to 100 people we get to just love every week. So you can be a missionary, but you just walk through those doors. So yes, we give to that. And you would have known the op shop's gone through some massive refurbs, glimmer of light. We're changing some administration ways, always looking to make it simpler and easier. And we're looking for more volunteers. So, and there is actually a growing, we had six to seven foster kids in our Burley Kids meeting last week. There's a growing number of foster carers joining our church. That's exciting. That's really, really exciting as well. So if you're going to have tradition, if you're going to have to run a program, make sure it's looking after the orphans, widows and the poor. And that's what we do here. So that's what you give to as well. All right, what, is, what does Jesus say about giving? Three things. In Matthew 6, 1 to 3, he says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. This has done good things, this passage. It has also done damage in the modern day church. Because it's saying, don't parade. We don't need a bucket out here and everyone needs to wave their money and chuck it in there and go, look how much I'm getting. That's what it's talking about. Don't parade things around. Don't tell people, oh, do you know how much, how much did you give? But if we never talk about giving, how on earth does anyone know what to do or how to do it? And if you're not sure, if you're not sure on that point, look at the next passage I want to share with you where Jesus is sitting with the disciples watching people give because he wants to teach them how to give. He's sitting there, you can imagine him sitting there and they're literally watching people put money in whatever they put money in and he's teaching them because he knows that at some point you need to talk about giving because that's how you learn. Especially for those that give online, they might look at the person next to them. No one does this, of course. And notice not, there are no wallets open, nothing, and just assume no one gives here when I reckon I think about at least 50% of people give online here at this church. So we need to teach it. 
And hence why we're doing that this morning. So let me read Luke 21. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow, but in two very small copper coins. So you have this rich guy, parade it, probably gets a knapsack out, pours all his cash in, and you get, um, you get, because, yeah, rich people in those days carried knapsacks, very common. Um, and then he saw a poor widow give two copper coins. And he says, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She gave everything. He's teaching them a principle here. He's sitting at the treasury watching people give. As he watches, he compares the gift of a rich man dumping his wealth and a poor widow giving everything. He teaches us a couple of things. He's teaching about a heart here, a posture of giving. Not just to a church, but in general in life, he's teaching something about the posture of giving. Not just money, service, time. He's teaching him something, what it looks like to give. And so three things these passages tell us. One, giving is meant to cost. Whether it's time, money or service, it's meant to be a sacrifice. And I'll tell you why in a moment, but it's meant to be a sacrifice. That's the idea. It's meant to sting a little. You give generously and joyfully, but it's giving is meant to sting a little bit. It's, that's the effect it's meant to have. There's a prosperity gospel that'll tell you you'll get more money if you give. I promise you, you'll have less money if you give because you just gave some of your money, <laughs> at least in the moment. <laughs> it's meant to sting a little bit. That's the idea. Giving is meant to cost. Let me keep going. In Matthew 6, 19, 24, he says this, Do not store up yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the main, there's nothing else you get from today. This is the main thing I wanted to, want us to understand. Even if you're going to write that down, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because the second thing Jesus tells us about giving Actually, let me give you this example first. If I spent any time in my garden, if you've been to my house, you know that this is a make-believe scenario. But if I spent some time loving my garden, if I was a gardener, and every extra bit of money I got, the holiday fund, the fund for a new car, I spent on getting the best for my garden, setting my garden up. Every spare moment, I just couldn't help when I'm at work. I was just thinking about gardening. I run home to the car to get home and work on the garden. I, kids want to play with me. No, I'm working on the garden. Where my treasure, where my time, where my giving. It's a silly analogy, but where I'm giving, that's where my heart would follow. Or vice versa, where my heart would be, my treasure would follow. I'd have the most amazing garden. But it's obvious if you think about your budget, if you think about your time, I'm not just talking about budget money, if you think about the way you budget or prioritise your time and energy, Chances are you give to the things that your heart wants, heart is in. In the same way, if you start to give sacrificially towards something, your heart will go that way as well. It's trans so the second point Jesus wants us to tell, ask, or ask us a question for you today, what is my giving growing me into? Because giving can be revealing and transformative. Giving can be revealing and transformative. It can reveal something about what you hold as precious 
and it can also change you. Giving can be revealing and transformative. That's what Jesus wanted. He wasn't worried about the amounts. He was saying that you can see someone's heart or you can actually transform your heart on what you give to. It changes you. Service, time, money, this is not all about money. Jesus is saying what you give yourself to, what you invest into, what you give up things for, what you serve will shape you. Where your heart is, you'll find your treasure. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Like the widow, no matter how hard life was, no matter the financial season right now, this was an important thing for her to give to. That's where her heart was in that season. You will always be generous towards the things that are important, the things you prioritise. So for a lot of us, that would be family, obviously. We give a lot to family and friends because we're naturally generous because we love them. That's where our heart is. Consider that. Jesus' challenge right through his ministry was, what if the kingdom of God was your top priority, though? What if that was where your heart was? What if you gave of your time and service and funds towards some way the expansion of the kingdom of God? Which do, Tell you a secret that most pastors won't tell you. That doesn't mean it has to be through Burley Heads Church of Christ. The kingdom of it is expanding. God's building his church whether this church exists or not. There's other things you can give to. I get that. And there's probably other things. I know heaps of you have sponsor childs and the kingdom is, is expanding through. That's fantastic. We are talking about this context. If you're a member, if you're part of this congregation, then this is a great way to expand the kingdom through this body that you are a part of. But I'm not pretending there aren't other ways to expand the kingdom. But imagine if the kingdom was your top priority. Your treasure, your time, your service, your money went towards it. It would change you. It would cost you, but it would change you. Your heart would be transformed. And then the last point. That Jesus makes out of the scripture is giving is the most solid investment you can make. This feels a bit timesharey at the end. <laughs> it's an investment opportunity. No, no, but seriously, moths and rust destroy everything else, but the kingdom of God is eternal. If you invest in somebody, because that's what we've just said we're about. We're about investing in our people, investing in you to be Jesus in your community, then that's something that's eternal. It's a safe investment. It's a good investment. It's an eternal investment. It won't be destroyed with time. Everything is decaying. Except the kingdom of God keeps moving forward. A group of people 2,000 years ago encounter the Holy Spirit after Jesus is resurrected. And now there's <laughs> millions and millions, if not billions, of people doing this thing Sunday morning. In the name of Jesus, God will build his church. It's a solid investment. Last question this morning, how and what can I give? If you are new or visiting, please just consider being encouraged by the transparency of this morning. Maybe take what you've heard back to your church or your community or the way you give. Please don't feel any obligation. This is not a, yeah, it's not a, as Josh said last week, a timeshare presentation where trying to convince you of something. This is for those that see this as their community. Let me just be extremely practical. The last five weeks we've talked about what this church is doing, what we prioritise, what we're investing into and what we're building. I would love to invite you to consider not just attending this church. 
I'd like you to move from even investigating if you'll come to this church, if you've been coming for a little bit, and, investi- and, and, and consider being a part of this church, being a part of this body. When we see some widows get saved for Jesus and find the hope, we all celebrate because that's what we're all doing through Bev. We see Josh bring a young Grom to surf, and none of I don't surf, and none of us, not a fair few of us, don't know how to surf. That's okay. Part of our body is talented at that, or maybe just thinks they're talented at that surfing, but is good at connecting with the young guys. We know Josh is out there on our behalf. This is what the body looks like. When some of us work all week, but we know the Englishers are visiting, and others, I know there's others. When you always mention someone, you miss others. When you are getting visited from this church and being loved and cared but others have to work. We know the body during the day has been blessed some people with some time to be able to go do that. That's what it looks like to participate in the body of Christ and see the kingdom come. I'd love you to move to a place where you become a part of what we're building here. And so two questions I'll leave you with and then the band, Ben's going to come up. A little bit of just information for you around some things. We need help in every area. We're a growing church. We need more volunteers in every area. So if you're not sure if we need things, we need things. Um, we're training people up for different areas, but we need op shop volunteers to be representations of Jesus. We need donations to Glimmer of Light. Uh, Mez has, uh, well, actually the whole Burley Kids team has this idea of having a grandma or grandpa figure alongside them each morning. And so the kids have a spiritual grandma or grandpa. So if you feel like you fit that demographic... We'd love you to come in and help the leaders. You don't have to run and sing and dance and jump up and down. You don't have to do any of that. Just be there as a presence and helping them with their craft. Love to talk to you about that. That would be amazing. On top of that, we have a budget, and this is probably the most practical I'll get. Our budget, as of the end of last June, is 15000 around 15000 under. Now, that's not uncommon for this church. God has provided in many different ways, which we talked to the AGM. He's amazing. He'll do what... God will build his church. So it's not a fear tactic for you. The op shop has done ridiculously well. Not covered all of it, it does well. It's, it's God has blessed it. I tell you that not to scare you. I tell you that to, in case you're sitting there going, I think this church is doing fine. And I, I, won't, I won't consider this. Please do consider it. That's all I ask. Please consider your financial giving online or in the bag on Sundays as well, as we'd love to meet that, surpass that, because you now know if we surpass it, that's more money to the mission of this church. If you don't know how the pastor thing works, I don't get a percentage. <laughs> so I'm not asking you to give more so I get a percentage of the money coming in. All the above goes towards mission, goes towards refurbing the gathering, growing better and going. Does that make sense? Is that all right? Pretty direct, practical teaching but it's transparent this morning. So two questions as the band does come up. I reckon we have two demographics in the church, if I'm allowed to say that this morning, and I want you each to ask your own questions. If you are a, of a young family or you think a young family is around the corner or you've just been married or you're a young adult, what could you be part of building here at Burley Heads Church of Christ? What could you see that if you have kids, your kids or kids' kids would experience through this community as we grow? 
What are you building here? What are you investing into? What could, where could you give time, energy, and perhaps finance to building the kingdom of God growing? So it outlasts all of us. And then if you're on maybe the second half of life, what legacy are you building? If you've been here a long time, chances are you've already given us a, an amazing foundation. I acknowledge that and a legacy. But what legacy are you giving that will outlive all of us? Outlive my time as a pastor here. Outlive our team here. Outlive all of us, the kingdom of God. What, what are we building here at Burley Heads Church of Christ? God is certainly smiling upon us as a church, both in numbers, in generosity as well. We gave, how's this, on top of giving this year, we gave an extra $25,000 to different projects as a church for a small community that says we are generous. I get that. I want to thank you for that. And even though we're behind in titherings, it has increasingly been going up. We are a generous church, but imagine what we could do. We could build the legacy we could build. Let's pray. And um, those that are, after the song, those that are part of the church here, we just want you to stay, members, we want you to stay behind for a form. And then let's go have a coffee. But let me pray first. Father God, some challenging practical stuff this morning. Father, I pray what's from you, what's from the Spirit, will resonate with us long after this service. I pray that most importantly, Lord, that you prompt our hearts on how we can be part of this body for you, Lord. On what we can give that will transform us to make this church look more and more and more like a group of people that represent Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for the last 40 years. Thank you for this series to re-explore what church is. And thank you for the continued growth and people coming to know the hope of Jesus through this small but powerful community because you're in it, Lord. Bless it all in, in, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.